Hi, all. Welcome back to Revision, conversations about our Constitution. I'm your host, Lee Stabert. At this point, we hope you've listened to our discussions about the First, Second, Sixth, and Fourteenth Amendments. We're jumping back into your feed with some final thoughts on this project and some suggestions for those of you who are excited to dive even deeper into this topic. So, what have we learned? I guess the easier question for me to answer is, what have I learned? I have learned that young people in this country are here. They're engaged, they're learning, and they're fighting for the future they want. Whether it's Jocelyn launching a banned book club at her school and speaking up at school board meetings, or Kayla pulling teenagers about gun violence, December using art to contribute to her community, or Anna raising awareness about LGBTQ mental health. They give me hope for the future. Secondly, I've learned that even the people who have the strongest reasons to discard this document, the people who are excluded from its creation, descendants of slaves, women, still believe in it. They even feel pride in it. That said, they're willing to call out the contradictions of its drafting, and they are pushing for our founding document to be interpreted in ways that capture its ideals and its promise. I can't think of anything more American than that. And my number one takeaway is just that this stuff is always changing. Commonly held assumptions about these amendments, interpretations that seem obvious now, have actually evolved in major ways over the last 250 years. Concepts like free speech and the right to bear arms sound simple, but once you dig in, it gets complicated. That's because our world is complicated and only getting more so. Social media, AI, ghost guns, how will the constitution evolve again to meet the next wave of change? So let's keep learning. There are incredible resources out there for engaging with the Constitution. And one of them happens to be right here in the city of Philadelphia. To close out Revision, we're chatting with Jeffrey Rosen, president and CEO of the National Constitution Center. This public institution is located in Old City, Philadelphia, within sight of Independence Hall. Rosen spoke with us about how the Constitution is still fundamental to our democracy, and explained why pulling young people into this conversation is so essential. He was kind enough to join us remotely for this quick chat. I'm Jeffrey Rosen, the president and CEO of the National Constitution Center. And what is the National Constitution Center? Why does it exist? And what is the work that you guys do there? Well, before all of our podcasts and programs and convenings, I'd love to recite the mission statement of the National Constitution Center. So here it is. The National Constitution Center is the only institution in America chartered by Congress to increase awareness and understanding of the Constitution among the American people on a nonpartisan basis. And that inspiring mission to be America's center of nonpartisan constitutional education is so meaningful, and we fulfill it on a whole bunch of platforms. We have an incredible interactive constitution that brings together the leading liberal and conservative scholars to talk about every clause of the Constitution, describing what they agree about and disagree about. That's online. It's gotten about 70 million hits since we launched, and it's now among the most Googled constitutions in the world. We have a great series of public programs and podcasts that bring together people of diverse perspectives to debate constitutional issues in history and today. And then we've got this incredible education program, including a Constitution 101 class that Folks can find online at constitutioncenter.org everything you need to know about the Constitution, liberal and conservative scholars, primary sources, and we have a wonderful partnership with Khan Academy to distribute it to learners of all ages moving forward. 
So why is the Constitution important? And why is it important for people to really understand how the laws that govern their day-to-day lives really come back to this one founding document? You know, is it enough that we just move through our lives following the laws and under the umbrella of a society set up by the Constitution? Or do you think it's really important that people engage with the document itself? You're absolutely right that the Constitution is the document that binds us. uh, And people can come together to debate what they agree and disagree about its meaning. The word Constitution, it comes from the Latin constituere, con, uh, come together, situere, or come together, stand together. And that's really what it is. It's a platform that organizes our discussions and deliberations. It doesn't provide the answers, but it does provide an opportunity for civil dialogue and debate, for disagreeing without being disagreeable. There are basic structures of the Constitution that are designed to protect the values of the American idea. What are those values? Well, they're, they're defined in the Declaration of Independence, created equal, inalienable rights, government by consent. The Constitution provides a framework for protecting those values. Well, you mentioned equality as a founding value, but I don't think we can really talk about this without acknowledging that this was written by white men. Many of them owned slaves. And I think probably for some people, they'd almost view that as disqualifying. How can this document written by one part of the population continue to hold sway over everybody now? Um, What would be your reaction to that? And how can we keep the Constitution honest? How can we make sure that it works for everyone when it was not written by everyone? It's an urgently important question. And it's one that the founders themselves debated extensively. It's remarkable that all of the founding fathers who were most responsible for the Constitution agreed that slavery was inconsistent with the ideals of the Declaration of Independence. Even the enslaving founders, Jefferson, Madison, and Mason, thought there was no way to reconcile slavery with the fact that all people are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And yet, as you mentioned, uh, some of those enslaving founders, in particular Jefferson, were, were hypocrites. They said that slavery was immoral and unjust, and yet they refused to free their own enslaved population and kept insisting that slavery should be eliminated at some point in the distant future. Eventually, of course, this grave sin of the original Constitution led to the Civil War. And it took Lincoln at Gettysburg and Frederick Douglass in his inspiring speeches to resurrect the promise of the Declaration that all people are created equal and to inscribe it into the Constitution. And after the war came, as Lincoln said, and the bloodiest war in American history led to a victorious union, the promise of equality was inscribed into the Constitution itself. And the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments to the Constitution, which some have called a second founding, ended slavery, guaranteed equal protection and equal privileges or immunities to all people, and also gave African-American men the right to vote. The promise of equality was further enshrined in the Constitution by subsequent amendments, including the 19th Amendment, which, which gave women the right to vote, and subsequent amendments which extended voting rights to young people and eliminated poll taxes. Of course, the battle for a more perfect union, the struggle for equality, 
continues, as Martin Luther King said on the Washington Mall, where he so memorably invoked the ideals of the Declaration. But what's so important about King on the Mall is that he didn't argue that we should break up with the founders. He didn't say that their values were not relevant. On the contrary, he called on America to be true to the values of the founders and the Declaration, which he called a great promissory note, which America was finally due to pay to ensure that the arc of justice continued to bend upward. Yeah, hearing you talk, it makes me think that we kind of, every new generation, every new era has to confront this anew. It needs like a gut check. Okay, let's look at what this thing says and where, how are we doing? What's the report card? You know, to hear you talk about these amendments that guaranteed equal rights being passed 100, 150 years ago, and then look at where we are now, we still have a lot of work to do. And part of this project and this podcast is really trying to bring young people into the conversation. Teenagers, people in their early 20s, people who are there maybe looking for the first time and thinking, okay, where are we at? What do we need to do? And why is it important to involve young people in this? How do we bring them in? And how do we make them understand the ongoing project? A gut check, a report card, those those are such good phrases. And that's a great project that you have and that, that all Americans should embrace. In every generation, young people have checked in, held America accountable for not being true to its ideals and participated in the project of creating a more perfect union. It happened during the Civil War, during the New Deal, during the 1980s and the Reagan era, and it's very much happening today with all of the mobilization around constitutional issues. What can young people do? Educate yourself. There's so much to learn. You need to learn this history and the history of the amendments and different judicial interpretations of them to have an informed opinion about how we are falling short and how we're living up to these ideals. And this is going to take some work, but you could do it. I know you can. I think that oftentimes people speak with people who are like them. Academics speak with academics. People in even in museums or in these educational spaces speak with each other. Young people speak with each other. How can we get more conversations among and really across some of these divides that just naturally build up in our society? You're so right about how people are just speaking to like-minded people in this polarized age of filter bubbles and echo chambers where liberals read liberal media and conservatives read conservative media and the algorithms send each side down their rabbit holes and no one talks to each other. And this is a grave problem for democracy. The founders thought the whole system would collapse unless people who disagreed could listen to each other thoughtfully and resolve their differences peaceably. So what to do about it? This is the Constitution Center's main mission, and I've got a podcast where every week I get to call up a leading liberal and conservative to debate the constitutional or historical issue of the week. And it's such an incredible learning experience to take complicated Supreme Court questions like abortion or affirmative action or questions from history like the legacy of Phyllis Wheatley, the first black woman poet or questions about voting rights, or uh, the philosophers who inspired the founders, you you name it, and listen to people of different perspectives who have a civil dialogue. And what's so meaningful about these conversations is I I feel like I'm really not able to have an informed opinion until I've heard from both sides. Mm -hmm. These are complicated questions, and, and people have different points of view about them. The other thing that's really inspiring is that 
there's often more agreement than, than meets the eye. When, when you sort of sit down for an hour and have a civil conversation where you're really exploring areas of agreement and disagreement, it often turns out that the really simplistic sloganeering that leads to so much of the polarization goes away and, and you have much more agreement than you think. I don't know if I learned it, but I definitely had never thought about it or realized it before preparing for this podcast is just how young many of the drafters of the Constitution were in their you know early 20s, early 30s. I think there's a feeling in our society sometimes that you need to kind of be middle aged to make the rules. And I think that it's a great reminder that young people can be a huge source of ideas of inspiration. And, and, you know, then they get to build something that they get to live in. It's so true. At the National Constitution Center, we have this very inspiring room called Signers Hall, which has life-size statues of all the founders um, made to scale with plaques with their names and ages on them. And as you said, it's really striking how young they were. It can be kind of daunting. Uh, There was a satirist from the 1960s who said, it's sobering to think that when Mozart was my age, he'd been dead for two years. And I kind of feel that walking around Sanders Hall, because they're so much younger than I am uh, right now. And they made a world, they made a nation, they, they created the world's longest running written constitution when they were very young indeed. H- how did it happen? H- who knows? M- Madison thought it was a miracle at, at Philadelphia and it would never happen again. So it's, it's very empowering for young people. You have the ability to change the world. All you have to do is educate yourself. You, you can do it with free resources that are online. All of these amazing books, all the wisdom of the world is now essentially free and online. There are places that collect the primary sources like the National Constitution Center and, and Founders Online, the, which collects all of the primary writings of the founders from the National Archives. And, and the second founders and Frederick Douglass and the civil rights movement all the way up to today. So there's just a world of learning out there. You can't be too young to start. And it's so exciting to empower yourself through reading. That's it for Revision. Thank you to Jeffrey for joining us. If you missed any episodes, please go back and listen. They're all right there for you. And if you want to know more about this project, head over to pahumanities.org backslash revision. Revision has been made possible by the National Endowment for the Humanities as part of the A More Perfect Union initiative. Any views, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of the National Endowment for the Humanities, PA Humanities, or their partners.